Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 133. We originally taped this August 1st, but we're retaping it on September 19th, okay? But I'm still, you know, putting it chronologically as, as 133, all right? So, whatever. Uh, so, the title of the, this episode is How Free Will Belief Invites Arrogance. Arrogance is not good. Arrogance is like the idea that, like, that some people, you know, when you're feeling arrogant, you're feeling that you're better than other people, you know, more deserving of whatever, you know. And it's a, it's a loathsome emotion. It's a hateful emotion. It's a very bad emotion because it, it separates people, you know. It's the opposite of like egalitarianism where like where everybody's truly equal and everyone is equally respected, you know, without this hierarchy, this nonsensical hierarchy, whatever. Okay, um, so like before we get into that, I just want to like um, I want to I want to talk about like the benefits I guess first of overcoming this illusion of free will. Actually, this is no. I'm not going to talk about it because <laughs> this is the 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 topic. All right. So like um, all right. So like first, I want to define what people mean when they say they have free will. Then I'll refute it a bit. And then I'll talk a bit about why this topic is important or how important this is. And then we'll get into this. All right. So basically, when people say they have free will. They're saying that they and other people are, I'm going to do this in terms of morality, fundamentally morally responsible for what they do. I'm not saying pragmatically. I'm not saying we don't hold others or ourselves responsible because we have to do that to maintain law and order. To, to, you know, we, we need rules. We need these moral precepts kind of like to condition us. It's operant conditioning. It's basing psychology. You know, when we have certain rewards, people will like be more likely to to be a certain way or to do certain things because of the reward, and we have certain punishments, people will be more likely to avoid doing certain things or saying certain things, whatever, because of those punishments. So, like, so basically, you know, that's pragmatic fundamental, pragmatic moral responsibility. So, you know, we, we assume that, okay? We assume that for ourselves and others. We hold others responsible, quote-unquote. But what I'm saying, like, the free will belief says we're fundamentally morally responsible, now, the idea is like, you know, if we have no choice but to do what we do, we're absolutely compelled. It's not up to us at all. You know, we're not fundamentally responsible. You know, that's the thing. You know, we're pragmatically, you know, in other words, like if God, let's say we want to, you know, um, see this with, through the lens of theology. If God is making us do everything we do, God is fundamentally responsible. You know, like we, you know, in religion, like we give God thanks for the good we do. You know, you know, something good happens, we say thank God. You know, like somebody like survives the operating room. A lot of times, people don't thank the doctors; they thank God. You know, like so, like, but you know, you see the inconsistency between thanking God for the good and not blaming God for the for the bad. So, so basically, all right. So, like, that's the kind of like moral definition of free will. Um, the more logical, more basic definition is like to have a free will is that like if we had one, we could do, think, feel, say whatever we wanted to without having anything that's not in our control making us do those things. You know, it's, it's in the issues of control. Um, if our unconscious is where we store our memories, our data, and if our, the, the data for what we decide is stored in the unconscious, obviously the processing must be stored in the unconscious. So it's the unconscious that's really 
acting, you know, doing, thinking, deciding for us, and then making us conscious of what we decide. And our unconscious is, by definition, something we're not aware of, and obviously it's something we're not in control of. So if the unconscious is making all our decisions, obviously that, that demonstrates we don't have free will. But the, uh, the most basic definite um, refutation of free will is that everything has a cause. Now, to understand this, like, the cause must always precede the effect. So if you, ha- if you decide something and it has a cause, that means the cause came before the, what you decided. And if everything has a cause, then there, the, there's a cause to that cause, and there's a cause to that cause. And these causes, you know, these causal antecedents regress back in time to before we're born. So obviously, if we have a chain of cause and effect that, that started way before we were born, ultimately resulting in whatever we do, that's not free will. We're just being compelled in that way. Okay. Um, so how important this is this? I got to like, this is like a very, very cool fact. Uh, there's this guy, John Searle. And in 2010, they did a survey of um, the most cited post-1900 philosophers in the world. People who were born, philosophers who were born after 1900, they wanted to rank them in terms of how often they were cited by other philosophers in their papers and books and all. So this guy, John Searle, an American philosopher, was ranked 13th in this list, okay, 2010. So he's not just another philosopher, okay? So, like, what does he say about this question? He was asked for a book to comment on the prospect of free will being shown to the world, being accepted by the world as an illusion. What would that mean? He said, if free will, he said if that were to happen, quote, it would be a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein or Copernicus or Darwin or Galileo or Newton. I didn't. I got the order a bit wrong. Whatever. Um, it will alter our whole conception of our relation with the universe. Unquote. This is big. There's nothing bigger. <laughs> I mean, if if somebody invented a happy pill that blissed everyone out, that would be bigger. If somebody contacted aliens, that might be bigger. If somebody found a, a pill or a way to make everyone really, really good to kind of like, you know, to ramp up our conscience so we didn't do so much evil, so much wrong, that would probably be bigger. But these things haven't happened. So this, this overcoming, this completely delusional way of seeing the world is the biggest thing that has ever happened in human history. <laughs> it's really cool. And so like... All right, so, um, and, and, you know, again, it may take years or decades to, to, for it to really, really be accepted, but, it, you know, it's already, it's already reached the tipping point where, it, you know, it's, it's pretty much destined to happen. If, if, the, if, if civilization is here 10, 20 years from now, people will get this. But, um, all right, so now some people might say, well, this guy Searle doesn't believe in free will, so he's just touting his own kind of, like, you know, recognition that, of that, you know, you know, just saying it's important because under, whatever, you know, self-serving kind of thing. The, the key thing about this is Searle believes he's got a free will, all right? So he believes he's, free, he's got a free will, and he understands that disproving free will, you know, is, you know, is like the biggest thing that has ever happened on the planet. Okay. So, all right, so now um, let's get to the topic. Okay, how free will invites arrogance. Again, as I said, arrogance is just not a good feeling. It, it just like... It separates people from other people. It's, it's not that you can't feel good when you do good, right? But like you feel good, you feel grateful. You, you, you attribute the goodness to luck or to God or whatever. But to the extent that you don't attribute it to yourself, 
then you, 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 you maintain your humanity, you maintain your humility, you know. Um, so anyway, so let's, let's explore some of the reasons people become arrogant. Okay. Sometimes they think they've done something better than others. You know, if they're an athlete, they can run faster, swim faster, throw farther, whatever it is, you know. And, and clearly, clearly, nobody's disputing that there isn't a hierarchy in terms of like how fast people can run and how strong people are in lifting weights and all that. Yes, but does that make them better? No, to the extent that like people feel they're better than others because of that they can do things better than others, that's arrogance, you know. Um, another... Another thing that kind of like leads people to arrogance is sometimes when people are born, because you're really pretty much born with this, I mean, there's a little developmental part of it, but like intelligence, you know, sometimes when people are born more intelligent than others, they think that they're superior to others, you know, fundamental superior, they're deserving of more, deserving of more respect and all this stuff. And it's, it's classic arrogance. No. You're not responsible for how intelligent you are or even how educated you are. Because, like, if you're born to certain parents in a certain region of the country, you know, your education will reflect that. And that wasn't up to you, okay? You're lucky to have been educated, like, to, the, to that extent. So it doesn't make you any better than anyone else. And, again, if, if you're, you know, in another part of the world where, where you don't have those advantages, you shouldn't feel lesser than other people um, that have those advantages, Okay. So, all right, so intelligence and education sometimes can make us feel arrogant. Sometimes people who are more physically attractive, you ever notice that on the street? Sometimes people who are physically attractive will walk around with this attitude, you know, and, and it's clearly an attitude of like, you know, you know, I'm physically, physically attractive, I know it, and like, you know, they, they look down on other people. It's just, it's, it's obnoxious. It's really obnoxious. And, and so like they... Um, you know, they, you know, now here's the thing with physical attractiveness, everybody knows, everybody knows that that's not up to the person, right? You know, you're either, you're born with whatever degree of, of attractiveness or not you have, right? And attractiveness is to a great extent subjective anyhow, but, but that, you know, but nonetheless, that they kind of like, maybe, maybe as a result of this free will thing, I don't get it, but they, they ascribe it to themselves and they, they, they use it as a reason to kind of like, quote unquote, to feel better than others, all right? Uh, another reason for arrogance is sometimes people make more money than other people, okay? Um, and all of a sudden, they think there's something special. They think, wow, you know, I've, you know I was born to a, to a certain family, raised in a certain way, made certain connections, went to certain schools, was born with a certain intelligence, certain abilities, maybe a certain um, business savvy, I made a lot of money. That makes me better. You know, <clears throat> I think Donald Trump is somebody that, that comes to mind. I think he, he has that attitude or others. But again, you know, it's divisive. It's just like it's not good for the person. It makes other people dislike the person. It makes the person dislike other people. And it just like it creates more, more separation in the world, more um, people are just not as together as we could be because of things like this. So, so more money, you know. And some people finally, this is ironic, because like, you have like some clergy, like some rabbis, um, some priests, ministers, whatever. They think that, that they're, um, you know, if they're morally, 
if they're more moral, if they're behaving more moral, you know, according to their precepts or whatever, which may or may not be um, subjective, that makes them better people. You know, so there, there are a lot of ways that we kind of like compare ourselves to others and like to the extent that we find ourselves being a certain way that, that exceeds what others are, then, then we kind of like, to the extent we attribute a free will to ourselves, we say, well, I did this, you know, it was my doing, my free will, and, and I'm better, and I deserve the, the, the credit and all that, and I deserve this, this, this manner of, like, over-respect and over-consideration and all that because of this, okay? So you can see how it creates problems, you know? That's not the kind of world we want. Okay, so, now... How would all this change to the extent we overcame this belief in free will? All right, well, think about it. Um, actually, athletes sometimes like give us a clue of this. Sometimes when, when an athlete has done something really great, um, you know, let's say um, has caught a lot of passes in a football game or has like, you know, pitched a no-hitter or has won won um, the Stanley Cup or something. Some some athletes will say, well, you know, like, um, I thank God. You know, I thank God that I was lucky enough to, to be able to play well, to be able to do good. Because these guys, they recognize. They recognize it wasn't up to them. They recognize that they have good days, they have bad days. Other teammates have good days and bad days. The other team has good days and bad days. And and even their talents, they've they've probably recognized throughout their lives that like they didn't of their own free will make themselves, let's say, run faster than others or catch balls faster or whatever or better. <clears throat> they they have this kind of like understanding. And that's that's how the world would change. In other words, to the extent that um that we get <clears throat> that um that free will is an illusion, we're not going to um place ourselves above others, you know, just consider ourselves superior, better, you know, um, and it'll, the world will be much more egalitarian, it'll be more, um, people will feel more comfortable with each other, you know, so much, you know, this generation, like, three decades ago, ago, people had more friends, people had, I think, maybe three or four good friends, today it's down to maybe one, you know, so we, we've got really, we've gotten isolated, <laughs> alienated from each other. And I think this arrogance thing, this, this competition that is drilled into our psyche from kindergarten, you know, is, is part of it, you know. All right, so the extent we, we overcome free will, we overcome that. <coughs> okay. Um, yeah, so what happens, all right. So we recognize we didn't create ourselves, okay? If we've got these abilities, if we're smarter, you know, if we're more attractive, if we have certain skills, that's not up to us. We were lucky, you know? Um, some people are better than us at whatever. They're lucky. Some people are worse at, uh, than us at whatever. They're, in, in certain cases, unlucky. You know, and what's interesting about this is, like, you know, Actually, the only, you know, before doing this show, I did a series on happiness, over 130 shows. And really, like, whether you're better at others, at whatever, is really inconsequential because the only thing that really matters is happiness. So to the extent that you kind of, like, master happiness, that you're happy, then none of the rest of this matters. In other words, like, it doesn't matter whether other people, you know, feel they're better or whether you feel you're better or whatever. I mean, 
there, in other words, what I'm trying to say, there's some people who just like have pretty much failed at everything except they're really, really happy. And in a certain sense, they're much more successful than people who've kind of like succeeded at everything, but they've been so competitive, so so focused on defeating their adversaries and their, you know, competitors that they haven't been able to find happiness. You know, they're, they're, they're so consumed with competition, they're not happy. That's not a very fortunate individual, you know. So again, all right. So, so what happens to the extent we overcome the free will belief? Our arrogance yields to gratitude. You know, if you, um, if you do well in school, feel grateful that, that, um, that you have good teachers. Feel grateful that somebody instilled in you um, a thirst for learning. Feel grateful that you were taught how to read, how to do math, how to do whatever. Feel grateful that you were, you know, born with a certain level of intelligence. You know, that you were like, you know, in other words, like everything, all these things that people with free will attribute to themselves and lead them to, to feel arrogant about what they do, to the extent that we overcome that illusion, we replace it with gratitude. And gratitude, incidentally, um, um, going back to the happiness thing, there, there are some like interventions that are like are used to make help people become happier and some recent researchers recommend for example a gratitude journal to the extent like let's say every day you write five things down that you're grateful for you know in a few weeks you'll find that that's made you happier you know so like gratitude is important okay so and the key thing is like arrogance separates people okay now so like I'm going to end like, you know, I used to have a co-host and I was talking about, well, whatever. Um, basically, I like, go back to this, go back, I, I like to have fun with this because this is so cool. Go back to the, um, to the Searle quote, okay? You know, like, our world overcoming the illusion of free will is a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein, Copernicus, Darwin, Newton, and Galileo, right? Okay, now, the meaning of that is like, you know, in other words, like Einstein, these guys are credited with something, right? For do with do with with a revolution in our thinking. So, like, what I'm what I'm trying to present is like what I've been doing over the last three years, pretty much single-handedly. There's, I mean, like part of what I'm doing is to get other people to do this. Um, so, like, when to the extent other people get involved and people write magazine articles about this, I mean, it's, that's that's a necessary part of. Of, of why I'm doing this, but like essentially like before I started doing this, I actually started doing this in, in 2007 and actually before that, but, but mainly in 2010 by starting this meetup in, in Manhattan and just getting the word out, just creating a buzz. Um, I got to do some advertising. So what I did is like I knew that like the people like, I live in White Plains, but like Manhattan has 1.5 million people in Manhattan, but it's got through the tri-state area, people who actually are within the geographical surroundings of Manhattan and they go to these meetups or they at least look at them, there's 22 million people around this, this New York metropolitan area, okay? So my strategy was like to get, you know, to start a meetup, the, the original t- title was um, The Predetermined Will Society Busting the Free Will Myth, okay? Now I knew that this that very few people would actually join my meetup because there's very few people that are so interested in philosophy. But I knew that, like, 
millions of people would, as they searched for meetups in Manhattan, because I based it at, um, between Madison and Fifth Avenue on 56th, between 55th and 56th Street, you know, right in Midtown Manhattan, I knew that a lot of people would look for meetups there, and they'd just encounter this, like, you know, uh, busting the free will myth. It's now called Exploring Illusion of Free Will, whatever. So, like, you know, so they, you know, puts the thought in their mind. They talk about it with people. Other people talk about it with people. So, anyway, like, since then, you know, this has led to, like, a revolution. Um, you know, it's been uh, um, magazines like New Sciences, the British Science Weekly, and Scientific American Mind have both had cover stories, first ever cover stories refuting free will. This is all after this. Sam Harris, the three times best-selling New York Times author, published a book refuting free will. Okay, so like, and there's a lot's been going on over the over the last few years. Now, all right, I I I to I made this happen. You know, I, I intended to make this happen because like I promoted happiness before before this, and I kind of knew how to like just get people talking about it, get people thinking about it. So, like, you know, this is like, so So, in a certain sense, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like doing something greater than Einstein and Copernicus and Galileo and, and Newton and Darwin, okay? I'm, I'm basically leading the world to a fundamentally new consciousness, okay? Now, here's the thing. Now, I get that we don't have a free will, right? So, there's two, there's an irony here. I mean, like, for me to kind of like feel arrogant or boastful for what I'm doing, I feel good about it. It feels great. But for, for me to kind of like, you know, be arrogant, that would be as if I was missing the entire point of what I was doing, you know? I mean, like, in other words, like, I'm doing this greatest thing ever, but I don't kind of like um, treat people like with disrespect I don't kind of like dress in a certain way to kind of like elevate myself or talk in a certain way, you know. So what I'm trying to say is like, you know, to the extent that we recognize that, that even the greatest things that we do are not up to us, then we, we don't become arrogant. We don't, we don't kind of like compare ourselves with each other. Um, we're just lucky, you know. That, that's, it, it's all about luck, okay. Um, that's everything, you know, luck, unluck, whatever. Um, all right, I want to do some commercials. I'm out of material. Um, see if I had a free will, I'd have done this better, and, and I'd have more to talk about. But that's all right. We've got about four and a half minutes. Um, so, all right, this show is on in White Plains, New York, um, on Wednesdays at 7:30 and every Thursday at 9 p.m. Okay, um, channel 76 on Cablevision, and if you get Fios in White Plains and, and some of the surrounding areas like Scarsdale and Ardsley and Tarrytown and a few other um, towns and villages. Uh, on Fios, they, they present it on Channel 45, okay, every week. So, like, so I do this and then, like, I used to do this with, with a co-host who also produces our Manhattan show. I'll get to that in a minute. But then, you know, some of these episodes that, I, um, that we do together... Like on, um, like maybe two or three a month, are also presented on Manhattan's cable uh, TV station MNN, and that goes out to you know like about six hundred thousand, excuse me, um, cable subscribers in Manhattan. You know, not everyone watches the show, right? <laughs> but um, um, and so like, but the other the other show we have 
is like my co-host, Anel, lives in Manhattan, right? And so he produces our, our second show. And it's, a, you know, we, we, I mean, it's supposed to be a live show, but we are only going live every month or so. But that's on 11 o'clock every Wednesday, you know, Eastern Standard Time. And like, again, with, with this show, if you don't happen to live in White Plains and you want to see them in real time, just go to the White Plains Cable Access um, um, television, you know, just their website, and you can access their website. If you go to Exploring Illusion uh, Free Will, my website, there's a direct link right on the homepage to the live feed, all right? So you can see this show live when it comes on. You can also see the Manhattan show live, you know, through, um, through the computer. Um, again, there's a link to that um, website from, from my site, okay? And, and like, cause like, if you catch us during one of the weeks that we're live, you know, like we've had people call from Texas, a couple of, this guy called twice from Texas, um, from, you know, other, other states and all. So like, you know, call, ask us a question, just make a statement. It's kind of like a debate show. That's kind of fun. Okay, the, the meetup that I referred to, um, I started it on, when was it? April 7th, I think, 2010. And I told you that's based, that's in the Sony Plaza on Madison Avenue, 550. And that's, that takes place every first Saturday of the month. And it's a great group. We usually get maybe like six or seven of us, maybe five or, you know, depends. But like last, last month was probably the best group ever. We started at two, at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's when they all start. And by eight o'clock, there were four of us still there talking. So it was very cool. Um, then I started another meetup here in White Plains called Life After Free Will. Originally, I titled it um, Outgrowing the Free Will Illusion, I think. And the, no, the Free Will Fairy Tale. I wanted to give it a bit of an edge, but then I felt guilty about it. See, like, you know, like I recognize that I have free will, but I recognize that that may have rubbed people the wrong way. So I changed it. I didn't blame myself, but that doesn't mean that I, you know, didn't like correct my behavior or whatever to the extent it was wrong. So anyway, that's like... We're having a meeting tonight, but you won't be seeing this whatever <laughs> till when. But like, it, it's on um, the third Thursday of every month at, at the Barnes and Noble here at the City Center in White Plains, New York. Okay, um, I also like I published a book called Exploring Illusion Free Will. It's a second edition. If you go on Amazon or on Barnes and Noble, you can order from there. I think it's like six ninety nine. And I also put it on Kindle. You know, I published it through Kindle. So like it's for a dollar you can download it. Because I you know my purpose you know, six ninety nine was the least amount that I could charge, right? So this is not about making money. It's about like getting the word out. And I just read the book actually for the first time after writing it um over the last couple of days. And it's it's extremely repetitive but it's very good. The repetition is necessary because like these ideas are very kind of like novel to most people, you know. All right, well, I, I've ho I hope you understand why free will belief invites arrogance, and I'll be back in other episodes to explain why free will is an, an illusion. Thanks for watching.